Hello and welcome to another episode of the R Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua and today's episode will be the next one on our series studying technocracy and using illusions of popular writings in order to do so. So I started off with a group of illusions from Machiavelli's The Prince, Orwell's 1984, and Jeremy Bentham's The Panopticon Writings and wrapped that one up, then bridged the gap between that early stage version of technocracy, the more material version, and a more immaterial version, the evolution of what technocracy looks like in its evolutionary path. And so that one, I have been focused on the illusions of Plato's Republic and Brave New World, and Isaac Asimov's The Foundation series. So last episode was Plato's Republic and covered a lot of stuff from there. And you should see a lot of similarities with today's episode as well, which is focused on Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And so, again, there should be very similar things and themes that are coming up. There are definite themes between the first set of illusions and the second set, but within each set of illusions, there are a lot of very close ties because, again, we're looking at this idea of what technocracy is and looking at it from multiple perspectives. I am breaking it up between an early stage and a later stage, which is a more material than a more immaterial version of technocracy and how that is manifested. So uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, if you are new to this show, this is not the right episode for you. Go back to the beginning of this series on technocracy or the beginning of the season or ideally the beginning of the show as a whole because seasons build on themselves, episodes build on themselves, and that would be definitely the best way to do it. Go back as far back as you can reasonably go. So as I've done with the other books that I have covered, I am not giving a summary of the plot. This is not a book review. This is not a book summary or the cliff notes. This is just me pulling out specific aspects from the book and talking about them as they relate to this idea of technocracy and understanding it better. And specifically, the version and evolution of technocracy that I'm trying to focus on in these episodes here. So with Brave New World, one of the first things that really stands out is that there is completely centralized control over class and skill. So class and skill are things that came up a lot with Plato, and that's a way that society naturally segregates itself, where you do have different classes of people, you have people with different skills, and that is just a natural segregation, separation, division of labor, that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily good. It just is. That is a natural way that societies organize. Now, with this world and Brave New World, this is all centralized, where there is one entity that is controlling who is in what class, who has which skills, these types of things. And this is something that is getting pushed more and more, especially with this idea of technocracy, where it's not just that someone naturally has an ability, someone has some natural aptitudes and skills, someone is born into a class. But these things are in the process of changing in our current modern times, 
where class is now viewed as an evil thing, and we should all be equal. There should be equality of all classes, except there are definite differences in classes, because there are some people that should be in certain roles and some people that shouldn't. People that speak of this type of a world, more of this woke theology, they would say that there should be equality for all, but they should also say that there should be government that rules over people and makes decisions on regulation and things like this, which inevitably means that that is a different class than the commoners that we are. So there is definite class distinction, but there is at least rhetoric of the class being a negative thing and being a bad thing, this great equalization, that type of thing. But even within that, that just leads to centralized control over classes. That's the idea of something like uh, communism and things of that nature, where they talk about it being a classless society. But throughout history, that's worked out to just be a very centralized version of classes separating out a society. And so that's what Brave New World is trying to do as well. But in Brave New World, it is not a specific leader. It's not a specific state. It's not a specific government that is really in control. Now, there are these world controllers and uh, regional controllers where there are people that kind of govern and manage a large regional area, and they're very well respected. They're kind of the best in breed, so to say. And these people do have some sort of a rulership type position. They are in charge. They are the managers at the top level. And then you do have lower level managers. And there is a bureaucracy and hierarchy in that sense. But it's not that there is a government with certain officials and representatives. It's not like that. They don't have that. They don't have that political aspect to it. It is, uh, again, more of a pure technocracy where it's not really political at all. Instead, it's a management system. It's a way of managing society through social engineering. That is their main tool, social engineering. And that social engineering is not just something that is psychological, although that is a big part of it. It is psychological. It's managing physical resources. It's that side, but it's also genetic manipulation. And this is something that we are getting into in our modern time. When you think of something like an mRNA vaccine or gene therapy, things of this nature, this is the idea that we are able to control on the genetic level life, that we can change it, we can manipulate it, we can improve it, we can do things under our own power to control nature all the way down to a genetic level, to the level of DNA. And this is something that is mastered in the Brave New World world, where every single human that is born has specific genetics, and they're tailored to fit into a certain class, to have certain skills, to have a certain intelligence level, and they are all rated. You have betas and alphas and so on and so forth, and they all have their different roles to play. So there is a class system. There is a hierarchy of sorts. There is a social status, but people are genetically fit for where they're going to be from the time that they are born or before they're even born, when they're in utero. And this is something that is done very scientifically. There are not women that are getting pregnant and giving birth. 
but instead you have science and technology that has gotten to the point where they can uh, they can have a, a fetus grow up and basically be born, but all of that is done outside of a human host. So this is no longer a thing where you have parents, and that's a dirty word. We'll get into that in a bit. But the point is that uh, people are genetically adapted for this specific social order. And this is something that is done, again, on a centralized level. And so not only are they genetically adapted, but they are psychologically adapted as well. So with this, as they are kids, they are taught and indoctrinated into this class system where a beta is not going to argue with an alpha, even when they are little kids. They will get disciplined severely for that from the get-go, and they will learn. And not only are they conditioned in this way, but they are conditioned to actually be completely satisfied and happy and content with their role. The betas don't necessarily want to be alphas. They like their role. They like their position. They like maybe not having as much responsibility and that kind of thing. And same with the lower levels where the grunts are happy doing their grunt work. They completely enjoy it. They're content with it. They have no issues with it, no discontent. And that is the idea. Now, obviously, there are always exceptions to the rule, and that's where the uh, good part of the narrative comes into play, because if everything was just that way and it worked fine, then it wouldn't be much of a story. But the general social body, they do fit in really well with this, and it does work really well, and they have a well-functioning society, a well-managed society. The social body is a unified unit. And part of this uniformity is, well, I guess before I say that, I should say that the conditioning, the indoctrination into people's classes and enjoying being content with their role, this is something that's getting heavily pushed in today's world as well. You have this aspect of, well, on one hand, you've got an aspect of people being steered into certain positions where uh, people, as they are kids and they're going through school, they're told, oh, you should go to college. Oh, you should get a job. Oh, you should be in business or you should be a nurse or whatever. And if you're making good grades and you have some special aptitudes, oh, you should really work at being a doctor, being a dentist or whatever. And a lot of times people are steered into certain career paths because of the class that their family is in more so than the skills that the person has. So if you notice that politicians often have more politicians in their family, and doctors often have more people in the medical field in their family, this is something that is kind of a natural occurring thing, as well as something that does get pushed to a certain extent. Now, in addition to this, you have this aspect of entertainment, where in most movies and a lot of books, there's this theme where it's the underdog. It's the completely normal person, the most average person of all that ends up being the superstar of a show or the savior of the world or whatever the case may be. It's the normal people. It's someone working a nine to five job, getting paid hourly or in some sort of rut in the corporate world and something crazy happens, and they end up with, who knows what, superpowers, or they get stuck in the situation where they 
And yeah, who knows? It just, that's the way the stories work. In general, it is not the elites that automatically become the heroes. It's the little man that becomes the hero, which what does that reinforce? It reinforces, oh, I'm the little man. Oh, I could be a hero. And instead of trying to put myself into a position where I'm raising my status and raising myself up, I am much more content with where I am because people like me that have these great and wonderful things happen to them. It's people like me that win the lottery. It's people like me that I see in these superhero movies and that kind of stuff. And so in addition to this, the role of entertainment plays this role of contentedness, of bread and circus, where if I am working a nine to five job and I have all these shows that I want to watch and all these movies I want to see and everything's been hyped up and I want to be up to date on the latest entertainment and these kinds of things, I've got to spend a good bit of time doing that. And that takes up a lot of time and effort and energy and money and all of these things. And that is time and energy and focus and thought that is not being put towards bettering myself and improving myself and raising my own social status, because it's not about raising your own social status, as I think you can see here. So getting back into this idea of uniformity and having a uniform social body they, they've done this really well, where they do have a class breakdown, they do have a hierarchy, but the social body itself is very unified. And a lot of how they do this is through drugs. They have this drug called Soma that basically makes you feel good and gets rid of your emotions. And it's like a probably a mix between some sort of euphoric medication mixed with like an anti-anxiety type drug, something that makes people calm and relaxed and happy and pleasureful, these types of things. And so if anybody starts getting any negative feelings, if they start getting, well, if they showed any emotion, really, then you go ahead and pop a Soma and that'll fix that because emotion is a very bad thing, especially negative emotions. And we need to make sure that we stop that. So in order to do so, we have this drug that you can take, oh, just pop a Soma and you'll feel all better. You also have an idea of lowering extremism in beliefs and in emotion. And this is done through Soma where you're not going to have people with extreme emotions or extreme beliefs if they are just constantly drugged up and happy and content all the time. And that's something, again, going all the way back to the first one I covered, Machiavelli, he talks about making sure that people are content, that people you conquer, they need to be content. And he was big on trying to head off any sort of rebellion and resistance up front and planning ahead for that. Well, the, this has been secured in Brave New World through SOMA and through the social engineering and the indoctrination where people are content and they are happy, and they're just going to continue in their happiness. They wouldn't want to mess this up. It's like if you were on vacation every, uh, maybe three days out of the week, you had a vacation. And why would you ever risk losing that privilege, that status, that that experience? You wouldn't. You would make sure that in all that you do, you are able to maintain this. People feel this way about their jobs oftentimes, even when they hate their jobs, but for various reasons, they want to make sure they keep their job. And so they will do things that they maybe don't really want to do, but they'll do them just to keep their job and continue on with the life that they live. Well, what if that life that you lived was even better? What if you were happy all the time? What if you could get pleasure just popping a Soma 
and the majority of your life wasn't spent working, this would be wonderful, right? Well, yes, most people would say so. And it is a wonderful way of achieving social engineering to the max. This is what's going on here. Now, another aspect of this society is that there is no privacy. Everyone is part of the social body. This is a public group and everyone, basically uh, the phrase would be that everyone belongs to everyone else. This is collectivism to the extreme where you have no individual rights because you're not an individual. You're just one piece of the social body. The social body is an entity and you are just part of this entity. You are a part of the social body. You're not an individual. That's a totally separate entity. No, you're a part of the social body. And this is what is ingrained into people. This is how they think. This is how they're indoctrinated. And this is how the society works. And so with this, you are, you are always being watched and monitored and people are always looking out for what you are doing because everybody wants this cohesiveness within the social body. Everyone wants a unified social body because, again, it's a good thing. It keeps people happy. It keeps people satisfied. If everyone belongs to everyone else, then if you have any desires for a certain person, then you can just satisfy those desires. People aren't married. They don't have kids. Yeah, we'll get into that, I guess, next. But instead, everyone is free to be with anyone else. And if you were to deny someone else who wants to be with you, then that would be a very bad thing. That would be looked on as being something that's against the social body, which is basically the worst heresy that there can be. And because there is no privacy, and because people are oriented in this way towards uh, maintaining this unified social body, then you are being watched by all people at all times. So even if there isn't a surveillance grid, so to say, and I can't really remember, to be honest, if there was or there wasn't. I was thinking there was, actually. But even if there wasn't, and even if there is, it doesn't really matter, you are always being watched by everyone else. And anyone you come in contact with is going to be oriented towards doing what's best for the good of the social body. And if you do or say anything that goes against that, you'll get turned in. And it's not because they don't like you. It's actually for your own good because you are disrupting the order of society. You're disrupting the social body and there must be something wrong with you. You probably have some sort of sickness or there, there's just something wrong with your soma dosage or you know something's funky, something's wrong. If you are saying something negative against the social body, or you're causing some sort of disruption or chaos, or you have these emotions that are starting to well up, then there is something really wrong with you. And for your own good, I want to make sure that I tell somebody and make sure that you get the help that you need. You get brought in, you go through a kind of re-education process, so to say, you get all drugged up, and you are back to normal. The next time that I see you, you are happy, you are pleasant, and everything is going well. Wonderful. I'm so glad I did that for you because that really did help you out. And again, this is the idea. So uh, just like Plato and just like all the others, it's about order, order over chaos, which going back to the natural order principles that I covered before this series on technocracy, I guess at the beginning of the season, 
order is one of these main principles of the natural order, and chaos is a principle of the dark side of the natural order. And well, what happens? You have this desire to control the natural order, to control order. Uh, societies, they naturally are ordered, just like nature has this natural order to it. And what we want to do as humans, and especially as those that want power, they want to centralize this and control this and manipulate this and change this. This is what they want. So from the standpoint of what the natural order would be, changing it, manipulating it, turning it into something else is chaos compared to the original natural order. Now, at the same time, what they are changing it, manipulating it to, and what they are, how they are centralizing it and corrupting it, to them, they are establishing their own order. So to them, it is order, even though uh, basically by definition, if you go back to the original natural state, the natural order, and compare that to something totally different, then if the original is the standard, then that is order. The other would be chaos because it is so far different from the original order. And so that's kind of what's going on here. Now, I've mentioned family and children and haven't gotten into that, but there is no family. There are no children, at least in the sense of having parents and being connected. Instead, children are raised and indoctrinated by the system, so to say. There are people that have positions. There are teachers. Again, there is no government per se, but the social body has an order. There are these specific classes. People have specific roles. They are steered into them from birth. They are basically created for these roles and positions of the social body. So there's really no need for a government and politics or anything like this. But there still are a lot of the roles that are in today's society. So teachers is one of them, and the children are raised and indoctrinated by the system, by these people that work for the system. There is no attachment that supersedes the social body because there is no family, because there is no bond of love the way that we would think of it. And instead, children and then adults are attached solely to the social body so that the social body becomes their family, that becomes their attachment, that becomes their love. And, you know, that makes sense why, as they grow up, that that then is how they are oriented as they view the world. That is where their worldview comes from, is that the social body is everything to them, so to say. And so with this, you have no isolationism of these small units that we have in today's world of families. You could have families, you could have parents, you could have kids that have different beliefs. They have different views of the world. They might view something negative about the ruling system or about woke theology or about transhumanism or about whatever, and they might be spouting this stuff off. And if you hear it from your parents and you're well, uh, you have a good relationship with your parents, that is a tight bond, a tight connection, your family unit is intact, then if you hear something from them, you respect them, you listen to them, and even if it goes against what you're told by, say, your teachers or uh, local politicians, uh, you listen to your parents and you probably agree with them and trust them more than you would trust a teacher at school or a politician. Whereas in Brave New World, you don't have any of these pesky family relationships and they just believe what they're told. 
It's the idea of trusting the experts taken to the major extreme. And that's what we've been told since uh, the COVID regime has started. It's all about trust the experts. And the experts are not the actual experts. It's, you know, you don't listen to the guy that created the PCR test. You don't listen to the guy that created the mRNA technology that's being used in the shots. You don't listen to the number one virologist in the world. Uh, these aren't the experts that you listen to. You listen to the experts that we tell you to listen to because we are the ones that choose, because we are the world controllers, because eh, we are the beginning of the technocracy is kind of the idea. So uh, with this, with having no family, there is no monogamy. So love is either applied to all as an idea or to lust between individuals. And that these are the two ways that you would think of love in contrast to how we think of it today. So we love the social body would be one aspect, or I love this individual in the sense that I have an attraction to them and want to be with them. And that might change between this individual, that individual. If you're ever with one individual for more than maybe a few times, a few dates, whatever, you're spending too much time with them, that does throw up a red flag. People do notice. They'll turn you in, and uh, that is not going to fly. You shouldn't do that. There, there are some questionable things there. That's too much like a, uh, I don't know, a bond that shouldn't be there because the only bond should be with the social body. And so you need to make sure that those individual bonds do not get too tight because it's all about this bond to the social body. It's all about the love of the social body. And so between individuals, it should be strictly lust, strictly pleasure-based, and that is all. You have fun. You have a good time, and that is the whole point, but that is the only point, and it should not go beyond that. There are no isolated relationships. You should be involved with everyone. So if you are not dating all kinds of people at all different times, and it's not even dating. Dating would be too strong of a word. If you're dating somebody, that that's not a good thing. But if you spend a night with somebody, or you go out to eat with somebody, or whatever, it should be a different somebody almost every single time. There might be a few repeats, and you might see someone more than once, but in general, you're going around to the entire social body, because everyone belongs to everyone else, and it's about the social body. Now, if you think about today's world and our culture, especially in America, I know uh, the apps like Tinder and so many others that I don't really know anymore because I'm not as young as I once was, uh, they are very much focused on this idea of pleasure seeking, of finding somebody that you are going to have a good time with. Uh, I know some folks that are on those apps and seems like almost every person that they date, they end up sleeping with on the first date or at least the first few. And they seem to have multiple people they are talking to at all times. And they move around from one to the next to the next. And it is much more of this brave new world idea. Unfortunately, that seems to be the way a lot of the younger generation is viewing this process. Just like the idea of marriage is not as attractive as it once was. It used to be kind of assumed and people wanted it to be this way where you went to school, you got out on your own, you got a good job, you got married, you started having kids, and that was just expected. Whereas in today's world, a lot of people just don't want to get married or they choose not to get married and they choose not to have kids. It's, it's, they don't want to do this whole family thing. 
And the family unit has been broken up in many different ways for many different reasons. And so you don't have even this good example. You could look at the church in a similar way. The modern church has so many problems, so many corruptions. There's so many breakups and ugly splits and pastors that steal and lie and all of this kind of stuff that there isn't this good, solid example. People think of the term church, the institutional church, the general public thinks of that as a negative thing oftentimes. And it's the same thing when you think of family. A lot of people nowadays, when they think family, they think arguing and obligation and people trying to tell you what to do and butting into your own business and all of this kind of stuff. Well, those aren't positive things that people think of. So we're already getting this cultural shift into a brave new world. And that is unfortunately where we are largely headed. Woke theology is very similar, where it's all about the social body and equality and everyone being open to everything and everyone else and all kinds of ideas and all this stuff. It's It all fits fairly well here. And if you mix in transhumanism, transhumanism is about uh, going beyond being human. It's about changing what it means to be human. It's about um, augmenting the human species. And in doing so, you are going back to this idea of having this centralized control over people through genetic manipulation, as well as technological manipulation. And you can uh, basically make somebody into the ideal for whatever job or skill or thing that they're going to do with their lives. You can do that on a technological and genetic level and if you add some indoctrination into that, which they're doing pretty well on, then that's where you get, again, a brave new world society. Now, overall with the society, the focus is on sensate pleasure for happiness. That is the biggest thing. Everyone should always be happy. Everyone should always be content. Uh, again, going back to the idea of a relationship, in today's culture, a lot of people view relationships as being something where you should be happy. A lot of people get divorced or break up because, oh, well, I just wasn't happy anymore. And I should do what makes me happy. You should do what makes you happy. That's what we should all do. It's all about happiness. It's all about pleasure. And, you know, that's just not true. That's that's not what life is all about. It's not just about pleasure and happiness. And so uh, in contrast to what I would say is correct, uh, Brave New World, in this society, the social body views life as basically being a quest for happiness. And so therefore, if you disrupt the happiness of yourself or someone else, that's why it is such a heresy and why it has to be dealt with immediately. Now, they also worship, so to say, in a, a religion of collectivism, where the social body is their god, so to say. And they have these different beliefs, this whole theology of how things should function, what is right and wrong, uh, why people live, kind of what's the meaning of life, all of these kinds of things. And um, it, it's all centered around pleasure. Their entire lives are centered around pleasure, and pleasure is their worship, so to say. And it's it's kind of this weird dynamic that goes on there. But there are no unmet desires, period. Everyone has everything that they could want. If you want to go on vacation, you can go on a vacation. You can do these virtual vacations. And it, you can just pop a few extra Soma, 
do this virtual vacation. Wonderful. It was a great time. And your work hours are very limited. You don't have to work all that much. You work enough to feel like you are doing something, that you're benefiting society, that you have a role, that you have purpose, and that you're needed somewhere for some reason. But that's about it. Other than that, you're just pleasure-seeking. You're uh, growing your happiness. You are participating in the social body, and that's the bulk of what you do. And so uh, with this, there there isn't this aspect of unmet desires that you're trying to strive for because you have everything you want. You have everything you need. And since you have everything you want and everything you need, you're in this post-scarcity environment, then again, like I said earlier, you don't want to risk losing that. That is why you are so vigilant in making sure that the social body stays unified as it should be. And you are a very vigilant Uh, member of the social body. And that is where that motivation comes from. Now, uh, with this, there are no spiritual unmet desires or physical unmet desires. So it's not just that if you want to have relations with somebody that you can, and you can do that with anybody, you do that with all kinds of people, you can do that with more than one person, you know, whatever, you can do whatever you want. And everybody else is okay with that too. And they're enjoying that too. And that's part of this kind of physical aspect of meeting all your physical desires. But this is also more on a spiritual level too, because you are a part of something bigger than yourself. You are a member of this body. You do have this belief system that you are a part of and that you're pushing and that you are enforcing and these kinds of things. It's all of these aspects of what basically like what people are seeking when they are seeking a spiritual fulfillment they are met in this it's it's a fake version it's a version brought on by drugs and pleasure and uh, indoctrination and all of this kind of stuff but but the effect is that they do not feel like they have these unmet spiritual desires, just like they don't feel like they have unmet physical desires. They feel like all of their desires are met and they don't have to try to find anything else. There is nothing else. They have it all. Now, they do allow in this society for people that do not fit into the social body. This would be the savages, Now, there are always going to be people that don't agree, that have different opinions, that have these strong emotions, that are disruptive. These types of people will always exist in any society. So what do you do with them? That's been a question that's been going on for ages. In our current world, it was more about uh, basically arresting them, forcing them to do things, uh, forcing them not to do things, whatever but trying to get control of them. And that was the main thing. Whereas in this evolution, there is a new technique that is brought up in a few places. I know it's brought up in this and uh, foundation, maybe. It was also brought up in uh, This Perfect Day and in We as well, which are two books I've referenced a few times that are similar to 1984 and Brave New World and in some ways better, but they have the same aspect as well of having the people of society that are not going to be on board, separating them, isolating them, having them on the outskirts of town, outside of the cities, outside of the social body, and just let them do their own thing. 
That's what they want. They want that freedom, liberty crap. So just, you know, let them have it. Leave them to their own devices. And we can be a part of the social body and live in happiness and pleasure and, you know, have this wonderful life. And we don't have to be bothered by them. And they aren't going to disrupt us. We leave them alone. They leave us alone and everybody's happy. Well, that's what we have in Brave New World, where the savages are outside and they have these reservations. They are isol they are isolated and it's basically controlled opposition that is used as an example and demonized as well. So you have these savages. People do know about the savages and they know that they're crazy. These people are just absolutely crazy. They're barbaric. They have all these weird customs like like marriage and um, they fight and they have emotions and they're just they're barbaric. They're, they're not civilized. They, they are definitely not a part of the social body. And it's good that they're out here. Well, uh, sometimes people from the social body will take vacations out to the reservations and they get to view the savages kind of like a zoo. And the savages are living life uh, probably in a similar way that we lived life a few decades ago, kind of a thing, where they do have some, some technology. Um, they've got houses they live in and they have jobs that they do and they have relationships and they have marriages and they have kids and they have all the things. It's it's basically just a smaller version of a roughly modern society. But uh, to those that are members of the social body in the Brave New World, uh, this stuff is, it's pretty crazy. And just the idea of like someone calling someone mother and father, I mean, those are, those are dirty words. Like you don't say those things. Uh, yeah, that's just the, the whole concept is just nasty and dirty is that's the way that social body feels about it. And uh, the same is true for many other things. And so uh, they uh, the people of the social body of the city, they come out, they'll see the reservation and the savages on the reservation and they'll see how horrible it is. And, you know, it's good entertainment. Then they go back to their normal lives. And that's just a vacation that some of them do. And so it's it's very interesting. There's one uh, kind of exhibit called the House of Monogamy, and it's about like a wedding ceremony. And you can see that, you know, what this weird ritual is that people do. And yeah, it's just crazy. Like, why would you do that? You can have anybody you want at any time you want. Why in the world would you just commit to one person? Why would you commit at all? How is that good? Don't they fight and have disagreements and arguments? Like, yeah, again, barbaric. So instead... Um, it reinforces what they believe about their own very ordered, very controlled social body and social system. And with this, not only does it reinforce their beliefs, it demonizes the savages even more. So if someone were to have a vague idea of something like privacy or freedom or individualism or anything like this, their mind would automatically go towards the savages and they they would just, you know, cognitive dissonance would kick in in a heartbeat. It's, oh, oh yeah, that's, that's the savages. You know, we wouldn't want that. That's freedom, liberty, all of those things. That's what all those horrible, crazy people do. And that's automatically what they would think of. Another interesting aspect about the social body in Brave New World is that they rely much more on psychiatrists than police. The social body, like I said before, basically polices itself. So you don't really have a police force like you have in today's modern world, but you do have a lot of psychiatrists. These psychiatrists are the people you would go to if 
you have a friend that has stated something negative or seems to be suffering from some grave case of emotions and these kinds of things, you'd go to the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist would help the individuals get back to normalcy, get back to uniformity with the social body. And so it's this idea of psychiatrists over police, which if you were paying attention a few years ago with all the George Floyd stuff and defund the police, that was one of the big pushes was that you get psychiatrists involved with the police and have that be kind of a joint effort. There's been a big push for mental health and a big issue with more and more issues with mental health. And uh, yeah, COVID hasn't made that any better. And so we are seeing a bigger push for psychiatrists and less of a push for police. And so that is kind of the shifting into the brave new world. And individuals, they they like this. Again, you don't need the police to enforce things because people enforce the social body itself and they do it themselves. Individuals, they want to be a brick in the wall. They just want to be another brick in the wall. That's all they want. They want to be a part of this social body because it is so good, because it feels so good. It makes them happy. So that's what they want. And they want this to be ordered and successful and they don't want any disruptions. They don't want anything unpleasant. They hardly ever have to deal with unpleasantries in their life. And if they ever do, they just pop some Soma and they're all better. And so that's why they're so averse to anything that would be viewed as negative or unpleasurable. Now, everyone does have their own purpose and their own role in this society. So that's part of what makes people so satisfied with what they do is that they do have a role. They do have a part to play. They have this complete satisfaction with their life. They have an occupation that takes up some of their time and they have plenty of entertainment things to do with the rest of their time, plenty of pleasure seeking. They live in this well-ordered society. It's basically Plato's dream. And they don't, however, have a group of philosopher kings that are running things. But they do have controllers that are these technocratic managers that are the evolution of Plato's philosopher kings. And they are they do seem to be philosophic to an extent. There is one scene where the main character, or I guess like two of the main characters, end up talking with a controller. And the controller is someone that does have a lot of say with the management of the society as a whole. And he's pretty open with them. And it comes up that they have tried ordering society in different ways. They've done experiments. They tried doing a society with nothing but alphas, where they basically genetically bred, uh, I guess, better people and better humans. But that didn't work out because everybody wanted to be a leader and everybody wanted to be in control of themselves and they wanted to control other people. And it just it wasn't a well-ordered society. They even tried uh, not making anybody work and giving people complete freedom to do whatever they wanted with their time and their efforts. And people didn't respond to that well. They um, had more issues. There were more disruptions. It wasn't as orderly all of this kind of stuff. So he talks about how there are these other ways of doing society, of doing life with humanity, and they don't work as well. They're not as ordered. And since order is the number one thing, and that's not what he says, but as 
Uh, you have gotten that theme from every single, I think, every single illusion I've used to describe technocracy. It's all about order. And since that is the prime directive, then anything that decreases order and increases disorder is bad and we avoid. So these other forms of society with things like freedoms or things like free time that is not controlled and steered or uh, making people the best that they can be, uh, none of these things really seem to work. So what worked was you give people enough work that they feel like they're needed and they have purpose, but you give them also plenty of free time so that they're completely content, they're satisfied with their lives, they have fun, they can be entertained, they can seek out all their pleasures, and you give them this good life. And you have different classes of people and that is needed for the well-run society, and you make sure that they are content with their class that they are in, and that way they are not causing disruptions for the other classes or for other people in their class. They, they know where they stand, and they like where they stand. They enjoy the class that they are in, similar to what Plato said, that that was kind of the best thing is that and Marcus Aurelius, same thing. One of the best things you can do is do what you are good at. Follow your aptitudes and skills and do them to the fullest. So if you're good at something and there is some area that you would fit well in, you do that and you enjoy it. You be content with it. You do it well. And that is complete good. That is complete order. And that is just genetically, psychologically, and medically enforced and reinforced with the brave new world society where everyone is content with where they are. They do have their role. They do have their place. Everything is ordered. Everything is controlled. And it's very similar, again, to a technological version of Plato's Republic, where the controllers are the philosopher kings. You have the classes that are set up according to aptitudes. They're just controlled a little more through genetics and stuff instead of just kind of haphazard eugenics and breeding programs, but there are no there are no families and kids are raised by the whole society. Again, it's it's basically the same thing. It's a fictional technological account of Plato's Republic. And so if you look at it from that perspective, it, it it's super interesting and it does shed some light on a few areas and open up some of the philosophy behind it and that kind of stuff. So hopefully putting these back to back has been helpful. I am done with the notes that I had for that one. The next illusion, and I guess the final illusion in this set, will be uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, and uh, that is a series that has many, many books in it. I'm not sure how many. More than half a dozen. I don't think quite a dozen, but somewhere around there. There were also some prequels that were written later and all kinds of stuff, so um, it's a much wider breadth of writing and so i am even more so not giving a plot summary just covering the aspects and how they relate that kind of stuff but there is a lot of overlap there are a lot of things that tie into this idea of technocracy and how that evolves and how that becomes something that is less material more immaterial and uh more ingrained in society as a whole so that's what we'll do next week I think that's really all I have. I can say thank you very much to supporters of the show who are financially supporting on Patreon or Subscribestar. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate that. If you do have any questions, suggestions, 
uh, requests, anything like that, then get those into me. Some people still never claimed that perk of being a subscriber. Just like if you never claimed your perk of getting a free piece of merchandise, a shirt, a hat, or whatever, then you can reach out to me and claim that and I will get that to you. I have a few people that have not claimed that either. And if you're just interested in those things in general, you want a shirt, something like that, I've actually got two, I think, people that are interested in getting one next time I order some. And so if there are more and there end up being enough for an order, then I can put in an order for some more shirts and get those sent out to you as well. So just let me know. Other than that, please leave a rating or a review if you haven't done so and continue to listen. I hope you continue to enjoy this. Please give me feedback on anything that you have, any questions you have, any comments you have. That would be at rfoundations at protonmail.com. And that is it. Thank you very much for listening and for all your support. I'm out. Peace. This has been our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye.